Sam Bankman-Fried and the FTX trading platform filed for bankruptcy this past week. We take a look at what is cryptocurrency. Why did Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX file for bankruptcy? Is there a future of cryptocurrency? And as always, we use the standard phrase caveat emptor when investing in any technology, but especially new technology. Good morning, afternoon. I'd like to welcome everyone to my latest episode of White Collar Crime and Fraud podcast. As always, I'm your host, Gene Talsk. And as we move into the holiday season, um, once again, I want to re- reflect and thank all my listeners. I really do appreciate the fact that you're tuning into this podcast. I hope it's been, if not useful to you, then at least entertaining. Um, I myself, am, as I said, I try to do two podcasts a month. Of course, this year, as I mentioned on several occasions, I just, because of work pressures, I just have not been able to do so. But hey, there's always 2023, something to look forward to, right? Um, My last podcast of the year will be again in December, and I'll be doing a wrap-up of the year in the world of white-collar crime and fraud. So um, today we're going to be talking about something which is in the news, has been in the news for the past two weeks, cryptocurrency, and Mr. Sam Bankman-Fried, his bankruptcy, and um, what this sort of overview of what this means in the world of fraud and white collar crime. Um, I guess it's important to start talking about what is cryptocurrency to begin with anyway. Now we can do a whole episode on this episodes and I will be doing an episode at some point on cryptocurrency, but right now it's just important to do in my, just do an overview of this. Um, cryptocurrency is, um, a digital payment system that doesn't rely on banks to verify transactions. It's a peer-to-peer system that can enable anyone, anywhere, to send and receive payments. Instead of physical money like dollars or yen or rubles or British pounds, sterling, what have you, um, cryptocurrency payments exist only as digital entities. Excuse me. So for those who've been tuning into this podcast, this is nothing new under the sun. We talked about Halawa, um, a transfer system, a money transfer system, which has been used in the Islamic world for millennia. So I guess you might say this is the 21st version, 21st century version of Halawa. And um, cryptocurrency, um, when you transfer cryptocurrency funds, the transactions are recorded in a public ledger and cryptocurrency itself is stored in digital wallets. And it's sort of inevitable that cryptocurrency would emerge as computing systems became more and more powerful and um, inter-communi- inter- and intra-communication systems with computers became 
an everyday occurrence. The fact that you're listening to this podcast is just another example of how far um, computer uh, computer to computer technology has come inter intercommunications and the fact that I can record this podcast on something which 50 on my, on my computer, which 50 years ago, I'd have had to go to a recording studio tells you how far we've come. And, um, so cryptocurrency exists in the digital world. It's money that exists in the digital world. It's funny because, um, when I first started learning about cryptocurrency, uh, I play role-playing games, not digital role-playing games. I'm not into the online stuff. I'm more like, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, um, the Chaosium systems, what have you. Yes, I'm a nerd. I fully admit it. Um, certainly in high school, I spent a great deal of time playing role-playing games and I make no apologies for it. But in the world of online role-playing games, um, users buy and sell items. For example, if you found a magic sword on a quest, um, you may want to sell it to somebody. And so that person will, in the digital world, sell you that sword in money that exists in the digital world. And a lot of times what happens is that that money, if they're going to sell you something, the seller actually wants real physical currency. So in the digital world, you'll sell the sword for, say, 100 units <clears throat> and then later get a payment in your bank account with actual funds for that $100, maybe more, maybe less. So cryptocurrency um, actually has its roots in the gaming world. I find that pretty impressive, pretty neat. Anyway, um, so cryptocurrency for all intents and purposes is simply currency that exists in the digital world. Um, it technically has no relation to the real world, although, of course, we know it does. And cryptocurrencies run on a distributed public ledger called a blockchain, which is a record of all transactions updated and held by currency owners. It's a very decentralized system, which appeals to a great number of people. Um, many times, just once going back, going back to the Halawa system, people want to transfer money and not have it recorded anywhere. Well, this is a very easy way to do it in the sense that if I transfer money from a bank account to another bank account, well, there's a recording of that transaction by law. Um, certainly U.S. law, the banks are required to keep records of that transaction. So if um, I'm transferring, say, $10,000 from Bank A into somebody's bank, there's a record of that transaction. A cryptocurrency transaction is um, not recorded. It's only recorded in these digital realms, so it's a very decentralized way to transfer money. And units of cryptocurrency are created through a process called mining which involves using computer power to solve complicated math, mathematical problems that generates coins. Incidentally, um, and this is another interesting facet of cryptocurrency I find very, very important. Um, when cryptocurrency, um, the, the use of computing power for cryptocurrency demands a lot of power. And that's only going to increase as cryptocurrency becomes more and more, perhaps popular is the wrong word, but more and more, um, accessible and usable by many people. It requires a great deal of computing power, which of course requires a great deal of electricity. And um, some environmental movements are already getting on the on the um, train to say, well, this is causing greenhouse gases. I mean, that's for another another episode I'm not, uh, entirely, but I'm just using that as an example to show how cryptocurrency does have effects in the real world, whether you want it or not. What's important to note with cryptocurrency is that a person does not own anything tangible. What the person owns is a key that allows you to move a record or unit of measure from one person to another without a trusted third party, without a bank, for example. So you can move this cryptocurrency around and not have to worry about third parties tracing you. And that's the theory anyway. Now, cryptocurrencies, um, although they exist in the digital world, there's trading platforms that are used to exchange cryptocurrencies. 
and these trading platforms we're going to be talking about when we talk about Sam Bankman Free. This is where cryptocurrencies are exchanged. And there's several cryptocurrency platforms. The most um, first one was Bitcoin, and that's still the most commonly traded and um, where Bitcoin is traded. And um, then there's Ethereum found in 2015, Ripple, which was founded in 2012. There's many types of platforms out there. And what's interesting about cryptocurrency, at least from my perspective, I mean, there's many things interesting about it. But one thing that's very interesting about it from my perspective is that even though cryptocurrency only exists in the digital world, you have to find a platform to trade cryptocurrency, which means there's an element of trust in that platform. And once again, as we're approaching Sam Bankman-Fried, we'll talk about that. So... I guess you might say in cryptocurrency is a form of a handshake where people agree that they will use this platform to transfer cryptocurrency. And then when it comes time to cash out, for example, let's say you're using, using cryptocurrency to purchase something, you will transfer an appropriate number of units using a platform to a, the party that's purchasing this cryptocurrency or using this cryptocurrency as a form of value. And then um, at some point that value will be realized in the non-digital world, aka the real world, although sometimes I wonder if what's becoming what nowadays. But anyway, and so once again, using that example of the sword, if you're on a, a magic sword, if you're in an um, online role-playing game and you're a person, you want to buy this magic sword for your character and the person selling you the sword says, okay, I want this much in cryptocurrency or in the currency that's used in the uh, online role-playing world. And in the real world, I want $100. So you'll transfer, you'll pay that person in the currency you have. And then at some point, um, $100 will appear in the seller's bank account or by check or a credit card, what have you. Um, it'll be interesting to see, by the way, as this currency gets underway, well, it's already underway, but as it becomes more and more useful, the number of lawsuits that will start to be filed over breach of contracts and all sorts of um, possible legal issues that will come about by the use of cryptocurrency. But that, once again, is for another episode. So there's your five-minute review of cryptocurrency. And it goes without saying, of course, cryptocurrency will become more and more used throughout the world because really it's the answer to, for a lot of people, first of all, if they want to, um, as I said, do transactions that are not verifiable, well, scratch that, that they want to do transactions that cannot be traced by third parties, this is a good way to do it. After all, like I said, if you use a bank, the bank has to keep records and those records can be subpoenaed and those records can be traced. If in the cryptocurrency world, since really all you're dealing with is numbers and math, how do you trace that? I can imagine in the future, the near future, governments and law enforcement agencies will have to use um, very sophisticated means to try and track how cryptocurrency is being bought and traded and who bought what and who sold what. Because once again, units of cryptocurrency are created through mining, which uses computer power to solve complicated mathematical problems that generate coins. So the coins themselves are the result of math, unlike, say, a gold coin, which is the result of gold mining and smelting. And lo and behold, I can hold in my hands a gold coin. In the cryptocurrency world, in the digital world, it exists in the form of um, math, mathematical problems. So for all of those who really did not like math in high school and college, yours truly included, well, you're going to have to get used to it. I think it was Robert Heinlein. He was a very famous science fiction writer who said that if a person cannot do math, they're no better than an animal. So I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but I believe he said something like that. And of course, Mr. Heinlein did not live to see this advent of computer technology. If he did, he would be very pleased with himself.
So let's move on to Sam Bankman-Fried. Um, Sam Bankman-Fried founded a cryptocurrency trading platform called FTX. And um, it was a cryptocurrency exchange and it has gone bankrupt. And um, this is leading to a lot of questions. There's already been comparison between this and Enron. And everybody who's listens to this podcast knows that I'm Enron was a defining feature in my development as an attorney and a fraud examiner. But I sort of disagree with that. Um, certainly the amount of money that was lost is enormous. But to compare a current cryptocurrency trading platform with what was once the seventh largest corporation in America, I think is going a bit too far. And the um, FTX apparently was using a bank called the Alameda Bank. And um, this is a way for cryptocurrency for the FTX subscribers to cash out on these FTX, on these FTX accounts. And apparently what was supposed to happen is that these Alameda accounts were supposed to have money, actual money transferred to them. And over time, apparently more than $5 billion, that's a B, dollars were supposed to have been trans deposited into these Alameda accounts. And they have not been. So... Um, if the question then becomes, where's the money? What happened to the money? And nobody knows at this point. There's lots of theories going around. And what's important to note, at least from my perspective, is that until FTX fell apart last month in November of 2022, FTX was one of the biggest cryptocurrency exchanges in the world. And Mr. Bankman was a rock star in the world of cryptocurrency. He was 30 years old, allegedly a billionaire, once again with a B. And all of this, all this, and these monies, these cryptocurrency monies have literally gone up in smoke. They're, no one knows what happened to them. Um, now, as this, there's been talk that Mr. Friedman might be prosecuted criminally. That's obviously might happen. Um, I'm not going to speculate on that right now, but there are a lot of unanswered questions. What happened to all this money? What happened to the digital money? What happened to the real money that was supposed to come out as a result of this, uh, trading and nobody knows there's going to be a massive there are massive investigations are already starting but this for our purposes this creates a lot of questions that i think are definitely worth asking even if we don't have the answers yet now let's go back to what i said earlier at the beginning of this program cryptocurrency is a new form of money transfer although once again it has its roots in the past but it's a new form of money transfer which is supposed to be decentralized now, decentralization has a lot of advantages. Like I said, you can transfer money and not have to worry that Big Brother is watching you. Um, once again, this has been done in the Islamic world for a millennium, and they've obviously had good success with it. So that's a great advantage. But the disadvantage, of course, is you have, if something goes wrong, what is the recourse? Here's an example. Let's say, for example, um, I'm transferring $10,000 to purchase, I don't know, um, some a bike bike. I want to, I'm buying a bike from somebody, an expensive bike, for $10,000 from somebody. And he says, here's my account, wire transfer the funds. So I wire transfer the funds. There's a record of these funds being transferred. I can access this record at any time. Now, let's say the person says he never received the money. I can check and see what happened. It's a very straightforward process to see what happened. Was it a bank error? Was it my error? What happened? There's a way to easily find out and trace this money. Cryptocurrency doesn't have this, um, not, not yet, because once again, with cryptocurrency, we're talking about math. Um, if somebody says they didn't receive the money, well, how do, I how do I trace it? And since there's no centralized tracing system, if even more important for the 
um, for the legal world, even more important for the world of law, is how can I prove the money wasn't transferred? Is there a protocol that can be used to show the money was transferred or the money was not transferred? These are all very important questions because if you're transferring a great deal of money, if you're transferring a great deal of money and you can't trace it, or even a small amount of money and you can't trace it, and there's no way to actually show it and prove it in court, well, there's no way to actually verify that the money was lost. And this can have enormous consequences in, in the legal world, in both the criminal world and the civil world. So the although the, the advantages of this decentralized trading system is that no one can trace it, the disadvantage, a very real disadvantage, is that, well, if you can't trace it, who's to say that you never actually sent it or received it? If I if I use cryptocurrency to buy this bike and the person sends me the bike, and then he says he never got the cryptocurrency equivalent of the money. Well, how do you prove it? You can use, now this is where, bringing up the second point here, this is where the trading platform comes in. If a trading platform is reliable, um, hopefully they've had a team of lawyers put together a um, protocol to show how the money was transferred. And um, this can be uh, more, this is why I would take the position that a trading platform that is well-established and has a history of successful trades is something that might be more reliable than a uh, cryptocurrency platform was just popped up. And so, um, but once again, we're dealing here with a situation where the law is not clear on this and it, um, it becomes much more difficult to prosecute a case, both in the civil courts and the criminal courts as to what exactly happened with all this money. Now, the third thing I would like to bring up regarding FTX's collapse is, and this has been brought out in the news quite a bit. <sighs> It's almost become a watchword since the 90s when the <clears throat> internet really took off. And yes, I'm going back in time for those of you that are listening to this podcast that are in your 20s. In the 90s, it's hard to <clears throat> really describe the excitement that was in the air about the internet. Everybody was starting internet-based companies. Money was flowing left and right. And I've talked about this before. There's a cover of Time magazine back in the 90s which says, why is everybody getting rich and why am I, why am I not getting rich? And the excitement out there was enormous. But that was because of the new technology which is just on the cutting edge and there's so many so much money being invested nobody could keep track of it all and of course this eventually led to um, wipeouts of fortunes and this that happens with all new technology so there's nothing new about that well with cryptocurrency we're talking about the same thing now with sam bankman um or sam bankman freed he was held up as you know the boy genius who apparently lived in an apartment in the bahamas dressed like <sighs> dressed like i did in uh, college you know um, very unkempt. Well, I would bring this out there that even in the even in the most cutting edge business worlds, there's a certain level of proficiency and professionalism that has to be put out there. And Mr. Bankman Free did not exactly inspire confidence, at least not for me, in the way his business was being run. Um, cryptocurrency trading platforms require money; they require investments, and it's important for these investments, of course, to be vetted. Any half decent lawyer will vet it. Um, vet a company before it's being taken over or acquired. As a matter of fact, for large law firms, they have a whole team of lawyers where all they do is review the paperwork for companies that are being acquired and for companies that are being sold. And um, in this case, I don't think that happened with uh, Mr. Bankman Freed's um, cryptocurrency exchanges. He got caught up in, dare I say it, the excitement of the whole thing. If you remember, I talked about the excitement factor a few um, podcasts ago, how that can, being part of an being people being part feeling they're being part of an investment can really 
allow them to shut down their higher critical thinking skills. And I would imagine this played a role in Mr. Bankman Freed's investments as well, investments into his cryptocurrency trading platform. <clears throat> now, keep in mind, I'm not accusing Mr. Bankman Freed of anything. I want to make it clear that if any criminal charges are brought against Mr. Bankman Freed, he is innocent until proven guilty. And I take that very seriously as a criminal defense attorney. You are innocent until proven guilty. However, that does not mean, of course, that questions cannot be raised. And um, the fact that over $5 billion worth of assets and trades and supposed monies cannot be accounted for, <clears throat> excuse me, cannot be accounted for. Well, that's very, very strange. So as always, when it comes to any type of investment, especially investments on the cutting edge of technology, the words caveat emptor by everywhere should always be at the top of a person's mind. So um, this is how cryptocurrency works. And this is how, um, Sam Bankman Freed finally finds himself in this situation where the money cannot be accounted for, which leads to um, one of the <clears throat> most important parts of the podcast. Where we're talking about how cryptocurrency can be used for scams, just like any type of investment. There's scamming that goes on out there. Even in the most reliable cryptocurrency trading platforms, there's scammers out there as well. This is just human nature. So, um, before I leave you, I'd like to talk about some of the uh, more um, prevalent scams that are out there um, involving cryptocurrency. And once again, although I'm putting the word cryptocurrency next to them, these scams are nothing new. They've been going on since the dawn of time. And it's um, the fact that it, it's involving new technology <clears throat> does not mean that um, the old forms of fraud and misuse cannot be applied. Um one of the most common forms is uh, investors are contacted and they're claimed by, quote, investment managers who claim that um, they've made millions investing in cryptocurrency and they promise that they can do the same for anybody who invests in their cryptocurrency. And a lot of times the scammers request an upfront fee. And, well, once again, if you're not vetting the investment and you're relying on somebody just telling you about this, that's a real problem. Um, of course, this all includes celebrity endorsements. I can't tell you how frustrating it is from a fraud examiner's point of view where somebody says, I invested the money in this scheme because some celebrity um, told me that you invested it. Look, I happen to think, for example, George Clooney is a very good actor. Uh, he's a very good actor. My wife likes watching him as well, probably for other reasons, but we both agree he's a very good actor. If George Clooney is in a project, I'll probably, if not watch it, at least think about watching it. But if George Clooney tells me about this great investment he has, what does George Clooney know about investments more than I do? And certainly more than investment managers, seasoned investment managers. So if a celebrity comes on and says, invest in this project, it's time to take a step back. And no offense to Mr. Clooney, if by some chance you're listening to this podcast, I think you're a great actor, um, but I'm not going to listen to you for investment advice. Um, the second type of fraud, which is involving cryptocurrency and is used all the time in the stock market, the pump and dump scheme. This is where um, an investor or investment manager will pump up um, an investment, in this case, a cryptocurrency trading platform, and money will be invested in this platform, sometimes from the investment manager himself, and then taken out. In other words, um, the value is inflated because of, once again, dare I say it, the excitement factor related to this platform. And then as, when a certain volume is reached, the money is taken out and it's dumped. 
pump and dump. Pump up an investment and then just grab it at the end. It's one of the oldest investments, the oldest scams in the book. Um, the Another unfortunately popular scam, which is applied to cryptocurrency, are the romance scams. Um, we're going to do it. I'm going to do an episode in 2023 about um, the broken heart or the romance scams, which unfortunately are very tragic. Um, this is where people are taken advantage of. They're going into online dating. People create fake accounts on the online dating platform. And um, they, as the relationship develops, the scammer starts to tell the person, hey, I need money. I mean, it's more complicated than that, of course. But they talk about how they need money to buy a plane ticket. The money is sent to them. And of course, the plane ticket isn't purchased, things of that nature. And cryptocurrency scams using romance is no different. Um, the uh, scammer may say use cryptocurrency to send, send money. Once the cryptocurrency is converted into real money, the person disappears. Um, the Another popular form of uh, um, scamming, which is used in the cryptocurrency world and in pretty much all scammings, are phishing scams, where scammers send emails with malicious links to a fake website to grab the, for personal details. And by the way, this in, in this case, the phishing scam includes asking for details about the person's cryptocurrency wallet. Remember what I said at the beginning of this podcast, cryptocurrency is stored in wallets. In this case, their wallets made entirely of zeros and ones, digital images, using complicated math to store these, um, these coins, this cryptocurrency. But it's still in, a, in, dig in the digital world anyway, it's located in one place. Through phishing, just like with IDs, if somebody gives out the exam, um, their Ooh. cryptocurrency account information was to prevent a scammer from getting into that cryptocurrency account and taking the money. It's the exact same thing, except once again, it's happening in the digital world, not the real world. Um, the uh, Another type of scam, which applies to the cryptocurrency world, just like it applies to everybody else, is where people use identity theft to, um, if they can find out your cryptocurrency information, they can access that information. And once again, because cryptocurrency only exists in the digital world, if a person has access to that cryptocurrency wallet or to that trading platform that a person is using, there's no reason why they can't access it just like the actual user could. And in the digital world, of course, you can tell the difference. If you have the right identif identifying information, well, the cryptocurrency account doesn't know if you're the actual owner or a person who's um, stolen that information and they can access that information and take it. And of course, when we're talking about, especially Sam Bankman-Fried, we're talking, we also have to discuss Ponzi schemes. Ponzi schemes are one of the oldest forms of investment fraud out there. And it's been suspected that Sam Bankman-Fried, and keep in mind, I want to emphasize this again, suspected that um, he was engaging in a Ponzi scheme. Ponzi scheme is, we've already discussed this ad nauseum, and we'll, con we'll continue to discuss it in the future. Um, the Ponzi schemes are where investments are made. There's no actual investment. It's just people investing money into the scheme. The people at the top get paid out. The people at the bottom keep out investing. And the only thing that's the only money that's being made is from people investing in the scheme. I know that's one of the things that investigators are looking at now into Sam Bankman Fried's um, uh, FTX platform was the whole thing a Ponzi scheme. And that's where the comparisons with um, Enron come around. Um, if the whole thing was a Ponzi scheme, of course, then it was illegal and criminal charges can be brought. And that is just because it's in the digital world does not mean that a Ponzi scheme does not apply to that world as well. It's another example of how th more things change, the more things stay the same. So 
Um, I hope this has been an interesting or at least useful analysis of cryptocurrency and uh, Sam Bankman-Fried and the troubles he faces. Um, as This is no great prediction, of course, but as I said from the beginning, and I'll repeat it, cryptocurrency will be used again and again and again in the future. It will continue to develop simply because the computing power of our machines or of our computers are only going to get larger. And of course, AIs, artificial intelligence, is already, already coming into play. And that will be a part of this as well. I find it fascinating to see where this takes us because we're with AI, certainly we're entering into a whole new world. But that does not mean, of course, that the same old um, frauds and scams do not apply. And they do apply to the cryptocurrency world. And certainly the way it stands now, in some ways, they can be more easily applied to the cryptocurrency world. Because by its very nature, cryptocurrency is a decentralized trading platform. There's no accountability. And for a fraudster or for a white-collar criminal, that is just music to their ears. Anyway, once again, thank you for listening. I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving, and I look forward to talking to you at the end of the year.